Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Okay, what, what, are, we, what are we talking about, Brian? A uh, couple questions first, and then we can either do discussing the story of Gideon. It's been a, become a Christmas tradition to dive deeper on a Bible story. Or we can talk about music and songs. Okay, let's go to the first one. All right, nice. But first, the questions. Here from a fan of ours, wanted to say thank you. Apparently, I've listened to your podcast this year a total of 11,088 minutes. Oof. <laughs> he says, I drive. I apologize. He qualifies. <laughs> he <laughs> says, I drive a lot and I really enjoy listening to the SAS pod. So okay. even he says, I still apologize. This may sound gratuitous, but it's really <laughs> not. Uh, anyways, he also, we have our champion. For this sure. is the real reason I'm reading your comment, Robertson. Thank you. Uh, he sent money to our coffee fund. Yes. But he's not sure it's. <laughs> Why are we not drinking coffee right now? I know I should have done that. I, I forgot to check. Anyways, he wants to know if we got it or if we sent it to a stranger. So we'll find out next time. Let me check my phone. I don't know. I think that I have though. Yeah. I think I have access. Uh, but he goes on even more to say, Good. I was uh, not raised a reader. I was raised to hate reading because I thought it was a punishment. But you, Nate, have helped him pick up reading more, which means that he has purchased your books and is reading them aloud to his wife and has them on Audible. So, nice. you know, just a well-rounded... I thought after we went so hard after the sweetness of Christmas... The uh, saccharine aspect of Christmas last time, and we how did, Advent, we did do a little bit of that. We thought it was time to add a little saccharine of our own. So I don't know. Maybe <laughs> this is where this is our saccharine. Okay, eleven thousand minutes. We're going to add some Splenda. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the audio. I, I don't think that's devotion. I don't know. I can't find my. The stories of soul food Venmo is going to load shortly. I'll find out. <laughs> but thanks for trying. I'll I'll find out. Yeah. We appreciate uh, the coffee. Uh, 11,000 minutes is, is significant. I didn't know we'd done it. Yeah, just in a year or two. That's really cranking. Yeah, I didn't know we'd done that many minutes ourselves. There might be some repeats in there. So okay. some episodes worth. Okay, because we're twice. at 100 and something. Right. And it's around, we average what? 45 minutes an hour? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So okay, like, we're getting up there. Yeah. We're getting up there, finally, finally. <laughs> Our ultimate goal is a million minutes. Yeah. All right. Question Question from uh, someone who watched Spirited Away because of us. Yeah. Um, so from Chrissy, she says, I'm in the Sheologians book club. We're reading Paralandra. Mm -hmm. I've read the Ransom trilogy before and never thought it could be adapted into movie form. But now that I've watched the craziness that Spirited Away, I keep thinking it would be perfect as a Miyazaki art style. And I also, one of my favorite things is, is to bug you about what would you do if you were to turn this into a movie? And I'm wondering also, could, could Paralandra be a movie? Yeah, it could. It'd be really difficult, but it could. That's what I was wondering. I mean, I was, I was obviously. The two things that would make it the most difficult are what things do you think, Brian? <laughs> uh, well, it's so incredibly limited. I think the fact that they're naked. Yeah, right? the fact, the nudity. Nudity works on the, the page. The and, nudity is big issue. And becomes not okay on the screen. The confinement is 
actually a great thing production wise but okay, strike out i'm one for two yeah, but <laughs> the new today is pretty is pretty up there the other the other thing is um being green oh right because it's easy to say that and then kind of move on and people kind of forget don't fully keep them kelly green <laughs> you know but it's not to say they're kelly green but it'd be really difficult to find the right shade of green for the skin and have it work did did gawain kind of do it right though i'm thinking of the latest adaptation where there's just a slight green night like yeah they're slight, gonna no it need to be a tint of green it'd be a tinge yeah yeah a tinge the problem is with the tinge it does look like you're rotting you know it's <laughs> yeah you know, it's got this it's very horror yeah it's so it, it'd be interesting to try to navigate it'd have to be a brighter tinge right. it actually would need to have a lively yeah. vibrant green to it but um would be tough the nudite, you could work around, but it would get old. Yeah. You know, just in constant terms of like shots, constant back shots. Well, I would say constant, bushes, highly choreographed bushes and things and you know, right. would be would be difficult. Um, even in a Miyazaki. So even if you're not doing it with uh, live action. Live yeah. action, you're still doing it via animation. It would still just get pretty tedious. Weird. Yeah. And you think, oh, you'd have to put clothes on them. Sure. Why? But it, you kind of defeat the innocence of it, the pre right. the pre-sin innocence of it all if you just embrace uh the, the shame, the shame of the nudity. So I don't know. I've thought about I've thought about it a lot. And one of my solutions is to start um with that hideous strength. <laughs> I then go back hmm. and do out of the silent planet and then Paralandra and hope that I have solved it by then. <laughs> <laughs> that's very nate you just be like this is an enormous task i have no idea but we're starting tomorrow <laughs> yeah so we're gonna do it and and, and i will figure it out and we will have solved this by the time we get there yeah because i guess it becomes at that point if you put clothes on them it becomes a morality play of sorts yeah you know and it's you're several layers removed from what i would expect the book one and three to be which would be much more realistic or much yeah. more of just a straightforward adventure drama piece i don't know hey, you know what the weird thing is this is this is going to horrify people but you would you would adjust the nudity pretty quick in an animated setting um yeah mm -hmm. but it would also it would just be a problem it would just be a problem yeah one no matter what it becomes a really uh difficult thing to do but i don't think it's a bad pitch to say let's do it as miyazaki let's do it miyazaki style mm -hmm. Um, yeah, because that lets you do the world the way mm -hmm. that prioritizes yep, it. Yep, and spirited other. away, definitely. Uh, the train scenes with the the train moving through the water. Yeah. You know, it's like there's there's really cool things you can do with and flo is, floating islands and so on. Is he piebald tan as well in, in that one, or is it the other one? He's, yeah, he's... So he's, he's naked. He's sizzled, and, and half of him is half burned, burned, and half and of him is pale. And so he's, there's a and lot he's of naked. So yeah. it's... And him wrestling the unman. I don't know. There is a lot of just just every scene. It's really complicated. Yeah. With and so you'd have to kind of say we're just not doing nudity, and but you are, you know, you just throw. I, I just don't know how you could do the nudity. It, it does seem like you have to put clothes on them. And it's yeah, you have to. And it's also really difficult to be true to the power of the book and the Edenic state by having done that when you've already compromised like we just put yeah. board shorts on him and <laughs> and like okay why is he wearing board shorts 
Yeah, I suppose you'd have to go. So we can make this. That's yeah, why like he's. That's why he's wearing leaf clothes. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, it just I, feels so know, fake as soon as you do that. I don't know. You do leaf clothes, and then it's like it's just weird. Yeah, you know, but, it's just yeah. weird. But it's, then, yeah, I think we, you'd have to do something, and it would have to be something that was done uh, aesthetically, but not for shame. You, you'd have to add something that was beautification or the sign of being the queen or something that's functionally some kind of garment that uh just gets you around the nudity i don't know how you do it for piebald i don't know how you do it right um for the adam character but you'd, you'd have to right we'd figure it out okay and we'll figure it out before we get there we've got time <laughs> but okay. given that i'm not rushing into production on paralandra uh anytime soon i can solve it before i do because i really do want to see this trilogy on on screen i would love to um that's a huge lift yeah. to get there Okay, let me push back on what my answer was. You said, obviously, the closed, enclosed nature yeah. of it, the fact that the set's so limited is, is, is a strength. But what I remember so much from that book is the conversations. Maybe, maybe I'm remembering it badly, but I'm, I'm just wondering. The conversations seem like they are so long and kind of developed. Oh, yeah. Where they're... <laughs> where you know she you know ransom's discussing there would be, Here's a, why there'd be a significant reduction okay. in the conversation or you do it as a series and you have to create more journeying and questing and yeah things you know a vehicle the stuff that stuck to me is like him figuring out i don't want to take the bubble shower more than once and it's grosser when i try to take the bubble shower more than once which that moment of pre-fall to me was the most yeah. It was the most uh, tiny moment, you know, got it with a pin of the difference between post-fall and pre-fall. Like, now we just want to eat all the donuts. Another yep. donut. And he's like, well, it was a good. That was, was a so good, good donut. <laughs> yeah, but then like, I don't need another one. I don't know. That moment, uh, that's tough, you know? But I guess that's why. <laughs> There's a ton of, Lewis, I think Lewis's wisdom is at its absolute zenith in the space trilogy. Yeah. So. It'd be horrifying to find, you know, the frogs maimed, all that stuff seems like it would transfer great to the yep. film. Yep. And like the, the fear of another person arriving on the island. Yeah. That's super exciting. Yeah. But you can see why I would save Paralander for last. Yeah. It would need it. It would need you also at the Zenith, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that hideous strength would be really difficult. Right. But Paralandra would be next level hard. Yeah. Would you stick? Would you take them? Would you? Would you stick to it? Where that I'm still pushing you on Paralandra. <laughs> would you go to the underworld and all that? Yeah. And the whole the whole I would, centipede I would, yeah. stuff and I think yeah. that I, I I can really see it more easily as like an eight part series, like getting oh, okay. getting it into a feature that was willing to hang out in the scope of a dune. Um, you know, the scope and scale of something like that would be fantastic. But you have so know so much less to work with in terms of characters yeah so the world build would be vast and then it would be i mean sometimes it would it would be like criminal uk or in treatment or these old therapy shows that are really really talky but you would be having these really talky things in just wild context just yeah. ex <laughs> extremely strange context yeah and keeping uh keeping the burden going i think the the realization that ransom has that he has to just kill the unmanned stop arguing like mm -hmm. stop arguing i think that would come much earlier 
because when you get you want to get the viewer right to a place where they're just frustrated like why is he still just talking to this dude why is he just arguing and just bouncing you know logic points off of his head just tell him mm. you know just kill him you'd get the audience there and then you then he needs to drop right into that just a split second after the audience has gone there and i don't think you could have half of the phd treatise conversations that oh, happen right. happen leading up to that so right um it's the kind of thing that would be fun to film um i think it'd be fun to film a lot of the longer form conversations and just know that this is going to be behind the scenes for super fans like the the long form full conversation dialogue that's run i see but you know that in edit you're going to be ripping this down you know it's going to it's going to come way down i think that'd be fun to try uh whether or not it worked but if any of our listeners have you know 60 to 80 million that they want to they want to see thrown at paralandra do uh hit us up at stories our soul food Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> Venmo was like, did you mean to include this many zeros? Yeah. Just, uh, I'm checking again to see if, if we did it. Um, I don't know. I probably have to update Venmo is the issue. Um, but yeah, just hit, just hit us up. Let us know if, uh, 68, 60 to 80 million, we'll go make Paralandra first. I'll solve the problems now. Rather than waiting. Rather than waiting. Uh, we'll do it up front. I'll, I'll land some distribution either through angel or MGM. And uh, those would be the, those would be the front runners. And I can basically guarantee that if we had the budget. So hit us up. Let's go. Just the small <laughs> matter of 60 million doll small, hairs. Mom, small <laughs> matter of money, small <laughs> matter of money. And actually even 10 million, just let us know. Just hit me up at the stories. Uh, I think I, I turn around what the, the actual Venmo handle is. I actually should have looked at that um because that does too i haven't checked we haven't checked we're bad it is stories asf there we go there we go stories yeah. asf on venmo just hit us with 10 milli and we'll get this thing made we can use that that equity to debt leverage the rest of the budget will be set there you go that's a little master course on how to make paralandra <laughs> from scratch let's go and we may or may not uh partner with miyazaki yes he's still making movies no guarantees but we might Call right. Him. right he's done with boy and the heron yep okay uh i guess one of the one of the things we like to do at the stories or soul food podcast around christmas time is talk about really bleak mm. stories do we yeah we you, do this do you forget that you did the christmas conspiracy theory a year ago today <laughs> was this, that was okay so if you need a classic stories or soul food experience go back and find the christmas conspiracy theory where Nate discussed the brutal slaying of the Levite's concubine yeah. and its connection to Jesus. It's connection to the Christmas story. And I'll actually, so I mean, I, I think there's, if we're going to do bleak stories, <laughs> it's, it's not actually bleak stories. It's, it's more of a, it's, a, the proof that the light shines no matter what. It's more when, like what, when my dad says, if God draws straight with crooked lines. Yeah. And it's that Christmas you know? is the whole Bible. Like the yeah. whole Bible is Christmas. I think yeah, it's we're all, actually it's, the it's all leading there. And one of the things that I um I talked about the or whatever over the summer at a conference uh, is that the people love to let themselves off the hook. They love to think that this little sin will have no consequences. This little thing, this little thing won't 
work. And one of my favorite uh, examples of this is Onan in scripture. <laughs> so this is even better than the bleak story. Yeah. I so, so if we think about the thing, think about uh, who, to whom is Onan um, owed? To whom does Onan owe an heir? His evil dead brother. Yes. His evil dead brother needs an heir. Why does his evil dead brother need an heir? Because he was so bad that God <laughs> killed him. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Well, God killed him. But like this, this line, you look at the line, you look at the genealogy. Yeah, so these, we're in Judah's. Yeah. And you look Judah's at the clown, line. you look at the clowns who yeah. were here, these absolute jokers. One guy's been struck dead. His brother is supposed to give uh, his wife an, an heir. Tamar, and, who we featured, Tamar, yeah, we featured, Tamar. We featured um, her before as someone who's yeah. awesome and worthy. Yeah, of. but this particular incident, Onan is a a random dirt bag, yeah, in the desert, in a tent, deep BC, <laughs> like deep thousands of years BC. There's no internet. There's no social media. There's nothing. There's not even movable type. There's no paper. And this dude in the desert in a tent looks at a chick and thinks, but who's going to know? Like, who's, who's really going to know? Like, it's, this is a sin that will not find me out. Yeah. And the answer to is who's, who's going to know is literally everyone. We've got it named after. For, <laughs> forever. <laughs> literally Everyone forever is going to know you dirtbag in the desert in a town. Like, yeah. so out of sight. He's out of sight, out yeah. of mind. He's out of, like, he's in an irrelevant corner of space time, an absolute irrelevant corner, and thinks he can get away with this, with this sin. And if you were to say that Onan was saved, let's say that God, through, uh, through the sacrifice of his son, saved Onan, and Onan went to heaven when God struck him dead. You know, Onan's dead, and you meet him in heaven. Will you or will you not laugh? <laughs> I think you're here. And then there's the answer. Like, ah. like oh boy, man. <laughs> That's a woo. Okay. There's not a lot you, you could made, have a, a conversation with Onan about in heaven. Yep. You made the Bible. Yep. You made the Bible. This is also kind of like the dude who didn't want to take Ruth because he wanted to preserve his name. Yeah. But his name is not in scripture. His name's not given. Yeah. It's just erased. The Hebrew calls him a certain somebody or something yeah. like that. A su- a, yeah. A There's such. just some dude who wanted to be famous, wanted to preserve his good name. And so his name has been deleted from knowledge for all of time. <laughs> He's been completely <laughs> forgotten. Onan was in the tent in the Middle East, in the just in nowhereville, nowhere moment, nowhere land. Right. Nowhere that mattered. Sure that he could get away with this. And then incorrect big big wrong not the also, case also was not paying attention when his brother was struck <laughs> no clearly an idiot as well as as well as a dirtbag so my my point is that and you look at the, how how god preserved the messianic line right all the way to christmas and you look at the wild wild clown show yeah and dark bends and curves of that messianic line yeah uh, it's crazy. And so you go, you go back there and you go back to the line of Judah and it's, it's, uh, well, I mean, it's unnerving not- and striking and everything else, but we sh- we should all realize like where we sit right now in history, 
don't ever assume. Don't ever assume. I'm just sitting here somewhere that doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm I'm in a really bad airport hotel in Dayton, Ohio. Who's gonna know? Right. Well, you know, possibly everyone forever. <laughs> that's, that's on the table. I mean, the but options too. That, there's the upside too, right? The yeah. fact that Owen no, could it be in that family line. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, and again, uh this does it obviously it would have been his brother's child on by one level, but then the Bible also tracks it through, you know, his, his name as well. So you can have multiple branching genealogies. Yeah. But he basically worked himself out of the the messianic line. Yeah. And I I talk about um this teenage school teacher uh, in Nebraska when she was, you know, 18, 17 or 18, teaching in a one-room schoolhouse. And she had my grandfather there. You know, I talk about this in Death by Living. And he's there and he's missed. He's way behind. Like, he's way behind in school because of sickness and other things. And she took it upon herself while teaching in a one-room schoolhouse to get him multiple years stacked, like, and catch him up to where he was supposed to be. Because of that, I exist. Yeah. Like, my dad exists. Right. I exist. Because a teenage girl in a schoolhouse in Nebraska. And so, it, this, this happens for, like, you think about accountability of, of around sin. Don't ever think that sin will just slide. Mm-hmm. Like, it won't slide. It will not. God will use it in the narrative. Um, and, he, or, and he will, just like he'll use faithfulness in the narrative. And so, you could be, like, in Nowhereville absolute nowhereville and if you're faithful god can use that to turn all of history like yeah. that faithfulness can end up creating an avalanche of righteousness and goodness and it can be multiplied like the loaves and fishes through generations so yeah like it's it's amazing how the the christmas story is a great example of this uh, because you you go back through all of scripture and you find like all the threads that all led to here like all the prophecies that all led to this moment, all the pictures, all the people who lived as uh, types of Christ and, uh, and the genealogies and everything else, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, then you, in your, own, uh, in your own life, the number of times all of us almost didn't exist, the number of times yeah. in your own history that goes back, you know, generations that God used evil for good. The number of times that God like took little acts of faithfulness and multiplied them, it's it's you know beyond counting. We can't possibly get to it. So even people who are in dark stories, they're they're you know they're living in a, in a phase and in, in some like familial history, familial legacy that's really dark, that's really bleak. To start acting uh, acting out your faith there, then it's like to start the fire there and then is like. Do not underestimate how big that fire can get. Yeah. When this is, you know, sometimes you'll hear a sermon. Normally you get, you know, you can't pick out any one sermon that yeah. you've heard. But I was in London, my, uh, my wife and I listening to a sermon from some random guy who was like, hey, at some point God reached into your family and started yeah. it. And often you like ripped that family out of blackness, right? Yeah. It was, it was black before and now it's light. And it's, it is interesting that you can look back and say, hey, yeah, three generations ago, this happened in my family and it spread like this. Yep. But the person back three generations didn't have the benefit of that hindsight. 
to make the choice that then ripped their family. You know, yeah. there's, there's, they could have done the things that all the other generations did right before it. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and that's Christmas. That is, it, it, <laughs> it really is. And so if I, if I look through personal stories, I look back through, you know, different time, my grandfather on my mom's side, promising himself to God, if God saved him and then being saved and then not remembering that promise, you know, it's sort of like, it's just kind of walking away from it. Yeah. Um, weirdly, his daughters then converted, you know, it's like, he's, he just didn't go there, you know? So he's like, does the classic battlefield, you know, yeah. spare me and uh, my life will be yours. And God started taking his whole family out from under him. Mm. He was like, they, my mom converted, you know, it's like her brothers converted. Like it's sort of, and then by the time he was baptized, you know, I was 12, I was at a baptism, you know, it's like, and he, it's like it, the debt got paid. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of weird. So these different moments, these little levers, these wedges that God uses. So it can be a teenage unmarried girl in a schoolhouse when you're, when you're teaching and when you're homeschooling, when you, when you're not even like teaching your own kids, you're in a little classroom and you're ministering to these kids and teaching these kids, you have no idea because you're dealing with snotty noses and you're dealing with yeah. Billy's hitting Susie and whatever's going yeah. on. But you're investing in these eternal things. You're investing in these little immortals, you know, that right. that God's gonna use. And so my grandfather on my dad's side sort of would say that he he felt God's call when he was, you know, I won't say like eight or ten in an unbelieving family and started going to church by himself. Wow. You know, it's like it's that's that's pretty weird. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like that's family's not going to church. This kid is is they're visiting family in Seattle and he's trekking to church on his own uh, when, when no one else is going and then where that went. So like just pretty juvenile, you know, decision, like I'm going to go worship God or I'm going to go listen to this preaching mm -hmm. and then where that leads on one side. And then on the other side, you have, you know, my, my grandfather in an airplane um, saying what many people have said before, like, I'll pay you later, God. Um, yeah. If yeah. you say that, I'll, Big secret here. You're gonna pay him later. Yeah. It's it's gonna happen. He's not gonna he's not gonna lose track of that debt. He's right. not gonna he's not gonna lose track of the fact that you cried out to him and he's gonna come get you for well, sure. It, it reminds me of Hannah, uh, Samuel's mom, yeah. right? When she says, Hey, if I have a kid, he's yours. Yep. And I every time I read it, I know I almost expect her not to deliver. Because yep. it's like as soon as the child's weaned, which is not very old. Not old. And she's like, No, right now, up, here you go, Eli. Yep. And goodbye, two-year-old, right? Yep. <laughs> or yeah. uh, one and a bit. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's that sort of Or thing. if they were real hippies. <laughs> right. If they're real hippies, we get to five. <laughs> Some of the weird whenever it is, she gave it, she gave the kid away. Right. You know, and this is it's it's the way it works. Yeah. So I mean, Christmas can be this time when people like to tell these cheese ball stories. Um, and some of which are pretty fun, you know, of these little acts of kindness or the or they Christmas miracles effects, or whatever. Yeah. But as much as as much as we can laugh at a lot of those, it's like, well, it comes it comes from somewhere. This is a thing that God really does love to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and Lewis understood this beautifully. Um, and one of my favorite characters in The Great Divorce is Sarah Smith. And, you know, she's got this big parade in heaven. And everybody's like, wow, she must be really, she must have been something. And she was kind to stray cats. Yeah. You know, it's like she was, yeah, she was faithful with what was within her reach. She, she fed, uh, 
hungry animals, God's creatures, and was nice to children. <laughs> you know, it's like it's, right. it's it's like nothing. Yeah. But but given to God, it can just be multiplied and become, you know, massive in people's lives. So next time you feel like being a jackass to somebody in the grocery store checkout line, just just know all every one of these acts multiplies. It just goes. Every one of them is invested and is invested in the future and will cascade. Yeah. So little acts of kindness, like couldn't be massive. Right. Um, can be lifesavers, can be, can, can end up saving whole families. Uh, and little acts of nastiness can, you know, really hurt stuff. Really, really derail you. Yeah. I'm re- uh, and I, yours significantly. I'm reading Surprised by Joy, and he does such a good job of picking those tiny moments. Mm-hmm. Like his, where he's like, of identifying them. Yeah. Yeah. Like saying, oh, actually, this little moment mattered a ton for me. Yep. And that kind of perspective is something I think you have to work on. You don't, yeah. you don't, you know, a lot of us just kind of let everything wash over and the memories just kind of flow past. But when you're able to pick and be like, watch what a particular moment does, that that's a bit of a, uh, I think it's wisdom that yeah. you can see Lewis exhibit super well. You also, you also have to kind of trust um, when you are the agent of something like that, you have to, you have to trust that God's telling a great story that you can't see. Yeah. Don't expect to get to see it. Right. You know, so when we, when we were little, one of the things mom and dad would do around the Christmas season is that we would, they'd buy groceries. We'd go pick out a bunch of groceries, fun stuff and go deliver them to somebody's front porch. You know, they, they knew which people are having a hard time or somehow or whatever, got, got the word from another pastor or something and just getting to load up in the car with mom and dad, mm. go drop the groceries, ring the doorbell and run. You know, it's like just that kind of habit yeah. uh, is, is pretty awesome. Like it's mm, a great, good. and the, the fact is, I, d- I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what came from those groceries. Like, right. I don't know. I know people ate. Like that's, that's all that you need to care about is that people ate yeah. in that moment. Did that become bigger? Well, sometimes, sure. Other times it probably died right there. <laughs> you know, other right. times it's like right. it was one meal and you gave it in kindness and that's, it's great. Right. Um, well, and we were not well off. I mean, this was not, this was not a thing that uh, we were not rolling. We were in an eight hundred square foot house, yeah. um, eight or nine hundred <laughs> square feet, uh, getting bungee cords and rubber bands for Christmas ourselves. You know, it's like when we, when we were doing this kind of stuff. So, but we didn't know. I mean, honestly, we did not know. We were not aware that we were poor, which is, I think, the best way to be. That's great. Yeah. Uh, when when people do praise the community here in Moscow it often is those little acts of kindness that on the surface don't seem that large, but when a tragedy strikes a family yeah, and then not only people, if you've ever been on the receiving end of someone saying, I'm praying for you or dropping off a bottle of wine or something like that, it's, it's that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a powerful way that I think, you know, we started with Onan as the on-ramp for this story, but, but I think, you know, that's the positive side. It's, it's really strong. I mean, that, that momentary or little acts of, of Christ-likeness are hugely effective or can be, yeah. can be, you know. No, God. they, I think they are. I think yeah. they are always hugely effective. They just don't always have the same, like in, you might Narrative be feeding, tale. you might, yeah, you might yeah. be feeding one person or you might be feeding 5,000 sure. and you don't know when you, when you pass, right. Uh, God puts something in your hands and you pass it on. You don't know like how far yeah. that, that gift is going. You don't know how much of a miracle this is right. at all. 
Um, but it's, it's bizarre, you know, it's strange. And there's, there's many, many things like that. You know, there's, um, this woman, uh, on the highway two, two springs ago had her leg severed by a semi when she's riding a motorcycle. And my friend and I were coming back from a track meet and his car was right in front of mine. We both stopped. We were the first two to stop. And there's a woman on the shoulder of the road with her leg off. Mm. You know, it's like, this is, and the, the thing that was, one of the things that was interesting is as we were trying to navigate like traffic on the highway and get a tourniquet on and all these things and try to get uh, cops and ambulances and everything else, there were people, there's one guy, especially who like barged in on his motorcycle, jumped in, like was pretty insistent that he was going to put the tourniquet on, um, got this belt cinched on kind of like got it there and then just got on his motorcycle and left was like okay <laughs> there there it goes <laughs> and there those are those weird moments we were stuck there for a very very long time but it's yeah. like just come in yank the belt get the belt really tight go uh, and it's you, you just watch them go and i'm like do you have a record are you a, a criminal like do you want to not be here when the cops get here or what else <laughs> is going on or did god just know that we were going to screw this up and so it's like <laughs> we needed a nate and joe <laughs> nate and joe can you know paula can be praying with her and nate and joe can direct traffic but we need we need this this dude is going to put the tourniquet on and then he's out um <laughs> funny you know those kinds of things are are bizarre there there's a lot of them too um my grandfather, same grandfather who promised himself to God if he was saved in combat, uh, had a, sh- a bomb, broken leg, really messed up leg, should have lost it. And then some combat medics put the plaster cast directly onto his skin. And instead of, you know, wrapping it and everything else. So his, his skin started to rot and he got gangrene. And he was in a, you know, a combat hospital. And some dude from Brooklyn uh picked him according to the back of his jacket what he'd drawn on there picked him to like fix some doctor came through freaked out you know took the cast off he, he said he, he described for me what it was like watching his leg leave with the cast as they were taking the plaster back off it was so chunks of it coming so off. rotten as they was taking it off and then just aggressively tried to save his leg he's like should have taken it off then and saved his leg you know, it's like, was able to do this. And then he tried to track this guy down forever. Couldn't mm. find any military record of this guy. <laughs> like just yeah, ever wanted to. And the guy would play cards with him and come by and do all the stuff and, and personally took care of his leg. But he it really bothered him. Like it was, it was this thing that kind of rankled. He really wanted to find this guy and thank him and mm-hmm. connect after the war. And it was like, no, the war office couldn't help him and nobody could help him. And he couldn't, he knew his name. He knew his like hometown. Uh, couldn't wow. ever find the guy uh, which is bizarre never never uh, and those things so either he's a real dude right or we get all charismatic and talk about angels but he's a real guy and never knew like forgot that completely went on and went through the war doing that for a ton of people yeah you know and just never knew what a big deal it was in one family line you know it's like that's that that kind of uh, operation is huge. This happens with pastors. This happens with friends. This happens with college kids, you know, where that one person who senses something's wrong, something's off and asks the question, like, are you okay? Like, what's the, what do you need? Just mm-hmm. the one person who crosses the social barrier and actually does it. 
uh, talks to the stranger on the airplane and then you get off and you transfer somewhere else and you don't know where they went and what their life did. Mm. But if you, if you offer it up in faith, it will be multiplied. You have to expect God to use it. Yeah. You know, as, as you work through his stories, these scenes don't just cut off. It's easy for us to only see our scenes like, but there's all these branches going all these places and, and so many fun arcs going right. all over. So trying to see Christmas coming, uh, Try to read the Old Testament and read those dark stories in the in the tough times with bad characters. Yeah, and see Christmas coming in those stories. Uh, it'll it'll make it much easier now too. Like yeah. it's not these these times aren't actually especially bleak in history. They're pretty bad, <laughs> but this is not. This is why history is so helpful and the Old Testament is so helpful too. It's like there's nothing new under the sun. We've been here before. Like people, yeah. people have been here before, um, and it all it always breaks down. The darkness always loses. Yeah, over and over and over again, it loses. Yeah, get the storytelling glasses yep. on so you can see it, and yep. don't miss it when it's shown to you. That's yeah, that's what I've noticed. Like, oh, you missed, you missed the moment of where God was highlighting this neat yeah. little Christmas story, and just you read you. read the stories of Samson and and try to see Christmas coming in those stories. Yeah, it's there. It's yep. there. Hannah and Samuel, Christmas is coming. David, Christmas is coming. It's coming in all of these things, in the Exodus and everything else. In Onan, in the tent, misbehaving, Christmas is still coming. Yeah. Uh, and while all of history is on the line when Onan is misbehaving, all of history is. Yeah. Because um, the Messiah needs to, needs yeah, to continue. The Messianic line's got to get closer. It's got to continue. Um, and see it. And get, get good at that kind of stuff. And picture it, too. Don't, don't just... Stare at the words and try to find a Sunday school meaning. When you read the story of Samson, picture it. Like try to try to see it. Because some of the details are clear and some of them aren't. So when Moses is holding his hands up, you know, and has to have his arms propped up, right? Yeah. Like we're we're cruciform. Like he's cruciform up on a hill. When Samson kills more Philistines in his death than in his entire life, he's cruciform. His hands are out on pillars. On both sides. These are not accidents. Like just just look at it, read it, picture it, um, and look for Christmas, especially right now. Look for Christmas and all of it, because it is there. It's it's all there. Hallmark should make like the story of Ruth for Christmas. The story of Tamar for Christmas. <laughs> it sounds like a Hallmark movie, don't you think? <laughs> it doesn't fit the plot. It doesn't use. fit the plot. And the thing it's bad and good about like there are plenty of little sweet pockets and, and chocolate chips that God throws into reality, but we love to try to just focus on them and just get into that. And so these wildly sentimental, like yeah. manipulative little stories are, you know, poison. They're dangerous for sure. Actually, you know, I think you're, uh, I take it back. Ruth does fit the plot. It's just her, her, not the, not in, doesn't, yeah. Okay. I know what you meant. I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah. I knew what you meant. And it, it it's definitely, just, he's a little older. It doesn't than I think fit, Hallmark would like. It doesn't fit tonally. It doesn't fit. The approach isn't very Hallmark. Yeah. But the woman who has a tragedy in her family and moves to the small town and then meets yeah. the guy but doesn't like him kind of fits. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we could do this. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So all yeah, right. read read look all for those Christmas. read all those old stories and look for Christmas. Look for it. And look for it in your own family stories too, like your grandparents and your great grandparents. And dark or not, you know, 
because I'm saying this about two of my grandfathers, but I will also say that uh, my great, I guess it was great, great grandfather was a 50 year old dude who abandoned his family and ran off with my great, great grandmother, uh, the daughter of a rabbi in Brooklyn and took her off to Indian territory. She was 19 and he was 50 and they fled to Indian territory. And here we are. <laughs> you know, it's not always like, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's like, there's lots of horrible decisions too. Right. And just, just know that give it to God, give, give it to God and, and see what he does with it. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's, that's the good. skeleton. That's, in my family. that's the skeleton in my family closet. <laughs> Our fiddler on the roof story. Yeah. All right, I got two things for you. The second thing is that I'm going to show you our new Canon Plus video right after I get out of the way. Uh, if you're on audio, then you can listen to the script or view it on our YouTube. And then the first thing is that now through the end of December, you can get a year of Canon Plus and gift it to a friend or an enemy or a family member or both. Uh, for $59.99 instead of paying $95.88, which is more. You can do that by going to canonpress.com and clicking on the gift Canon Plus button. But you gotta go now, 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 or actually right after you watch this video. Enjoy. Hey, Christian Dad. Are you paying a monthly fee to let Hollywood producers pump their septic tanks directly into your living room? Even worse, directly into your imagination and the imaginations of your children. How much darkness streams into your home every day, every week? Have you gotten too used to turning your mind off when you put your feet up? Have you invited your own enemies into your home? How much damage has already been done to you and to your family? My heart says that the way I feel most myself is to go by the name Fred. That's because I'm non-binary. Canon Plus is building a global platform with one simple goal, to create and deliver great content that will help Christian families grow stronger and more dangerous in the world. Content that will kick your brain's butt and help you bear down and step up. Content that will encourage, equip, educate, challenge, and inspire your family. Content built on the bedrock of real truth, real goodness, not fake trendy virtues. How dare you? And real lasting beauty. Your family might already be struggling. Maybe the man of the house has been sipping too much Bud Light gospel in the basement for too long. It's day six of girlhood. But it's not too late. With thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, truth-telling documentaries, and curriculum for all ages, Canon Plus wants to help you grow stronger together with your family. There might be enemies at the gates, but there's a feast on the table to strengthen you for the fight. We want the resources we produce to help you do the real work of cultural change, becoming a lighthouse in your own community, armed with courageous joy and a faith that burns hot and bright, especially when the world would rather keep you on a cute little dimmer switch. We don't have to wallow in the world's filth. Moonlight, best picture. You ugly. We don't need to let our strength atrophy like numbed victims of some ungodly matrix leaving our families unprotected and vulnerable. It's time for Christian fathers to stop being such cultural cuckolds, well-behaved wonderbread winners sitting by and paying for the world to assault their families with lies. Let's get strong and grow our families strong 
Let's raise our kids to be the world's worst nightmares. Smart, secure, fearless, joyful, difficult to control, and quick to laugh at lies and nonsense. We're pushing back against the rising tide of sewage on our screens. We're pumping out antidotes to the world's poisons. But we can't do it alone. We need allies. You need allies. So consider this your invitation to join up and make things a little awkward for all our weaker brethren in church leadership. It's not that we're against anything. Who so badly want to be worldly cool kids. Help us build a streaming platform unlike any other. A platform that will challenge and strengthen Christians, mind, body, and soul, until this cultural tide begins to turn. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be. And yes, this tide will turn. This ain't the Alamo. We're all gonna die, but we have no intention of losing. <sighs> Canon Plus. You don't have to subscribe.